Day 3 of Totus Tuus's Novena, with quotes from John Paul II's encyclical, Redemptor Hominis. While the ways on which the Council of this century has set the Church going, ways indicated by the late Pope Paul VI and his first encyclical, will continue to be for a long time the ways that all of us must follow. We can at the same time rightly ask at this new stage, how, in what manner, should we continue? What should we do in order that this new advent of the Church, connected with the approaching end of the second millennium, may bring us closer to him whom sacred scripture calls Everlasting Father, Pater Futuri Seculi? This is the fundamental question that the new Pope must put to himself on accepting in a spirit of obedience, in faith, the call corresponding to the command that Christ gave Peter several times. Feed my lambs. Meaning, be the shepherd of my sheepfold. And again, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. To this question, dear brothers, sons and daughters, a fundamental and essential response must be given. Our response must be, our spirit is set in one direction, the only direction for our intellect, will and heart is towards Christ our Redeemer, towards Christ the Redeemer of man. We wish to look towards him because there is salvation in no one else but him, the Son of God. Repeating what Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Through the Church's consciousness, which the Council considerably developed, through all the levels of this self-awareness, and through all the fields of activity in which the Church expresses, finds and confirms herself, we must constantly aim at him who is the head, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist, who is both the way and the truth, and the resurrection and the life, seeing whom we see the Father, and who had to go away from us, that is, by his death on the cross, and then by his ascension into heaven, in order that the Counselor should come to us, and should keep coming to us as the Spirit of Truth. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and the Church is his body. By her relationship with Christ, the Church is a kind of sacrament or sign, and means of intimate union with God, and of the unity of all mankind. And the source of this is He, He Himself, He the Redeemer. The Church does not cease to listen to His words. She re-reads them continually. With the greatest devotion she reconstructs every detail of His life. These words are listened to also by non-Christians. The life of Christ speaks also to many who are not capable of repeating with Peter, You are the Christ the Son of the Living God. He, the Son of the Living God, speaks to people also as man. It is his life that speaks, his humanity, his fidelity to the truth, his all-embracing love. Furthermore, his death on the cross speaks, that is to say, the inscrutable depths of his suffering and abandonment. The Church never ceases to relive his death on the cross and his resurrection, 
which constitute the content of the Church's daily life. Indeed, it is by the command of Christ himself, her Master, that the Church unceasingly celebrates the Eucharist, finding in it the fountain of life and holiness, the efficacious sign of grace and reconciliation with God, and the pledge of eternal life. The Church lives his mystery, draws unwearingly from it, and continually seeks ways of bringing this mystery of her Master and Lord to humanity, to the peoples, the nations, the succeeding generations, and every individual human being, as if she were ever repeating, as the Apostle did, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The Church stays within the sphere of the mystery of the redemption, which has become the fundamental principle of her life and mission. The Redeemer of the World In Him has been revealed in a new and more wonderful way the fundamental truth concerning creation, to which the book of Genesis gives witness when it repeats several times, God saw that it was good. The good has its source in wisdom and love. In Jesus Christ, the visible world which God created for man, the world that, when sin entered, was subjected to futility, recovers again its original link with the divine source of wisdom and love. Indeed, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. As this link was broken in the man Adam, so in the man Christ it was reforged. Are we of the twentieth century not convinced of the overpoweringly eloquent words of the Apostle of the Gentiles concerning the creation that has been groaning in Travai together until now and waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God? the creation that was subjected to futility. Does not the previously unknown immense progress, which has taken place especially in the course of this century, in the field of man's dominion over the world itself, reveal, to a previously unknown degree, that manifold subjection to futility? It is enough to recall certain phenomena, such as the threat of pollution of the natural environment in areas of rapid industrialization or the armed conflicts continually breaking out over and over again, or the perspectives of self-destruction through the use of atomic, hydrogen, neutron and similar weapons, or the lack of respect for the life of the unborn. The world of the new age, the world of space flights, the world of the previously unattained conquests of science and technology, is it not also the world groaning in Travai that waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God? In its penetrating analysis of the modern world, the Second Vatican Council reached that most important point of the visible world, that is man, by penetrating, like Christ, the depth of human consciousness, and by making contact with the inward mystery of man, which in biblical and non-biblical language is expressed by the word heart. Christ, the Redeemer of the world, is the one who penetrated in a unique, unrepeatable way into the mystery of man, and entered his heart. Rightly, therefore, does the Second Vatican Council teach, the truth is that only in the mystery of the incarnate word does the mystery of man take on light. 
for Adam, the first man, was a type of him who was to come, Christ the Lord. Christ, the new Adam, in the very revelation of the mystery of the Father and of his love, fully reveals man to himself and brings to light his most high calling. And the council continues, He who is the image of the invisible God is himself the perfect man who has restored in the children of Adam that likeness to God which has been disfigured ever since the first sin. Human nature, by the very fact that it was assumed, not absorbed, in him, has been raised in us also to a dignity beyond compare. For by his incarnation, he, the Son of God, in a certain way united himself with each man. He worked with human hands, he thought with a human mind. He acted with a human will, and with a human heart he loved. Born of the Virgin Mary, he has truly been made one of us, like to us in all things except sin. He, the Redeemer of man. As we reflect again on this stupendous text from the Council's teaching, we do not forget even for a moment that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, became our reconciliation with the Father. He it was, and He alone, who satisfied the Father's eternal love, that fatherhood that from the beginning found expression in creating the world, giving man all the riches of creation, and making him little less than God in that he was created in the image and after the likeness of God. He, and he alone, also satisfied that fatherhood of God, and that love which man in a way rejected by breaking the first covenant and the later covenants that God again and again offered to man. The redemption of the world, this tremendous mystery of love in which creation is renewed, is, at its deepest root, the fullness of justice in a human heart, the heart of the firstborn son, in order that it may become justice in the hearts of many human beings, predestined from eternity in the firstborn son, to be children of God, and called to grace, called to love. The cross on Calvary, through which Jesus Christ, a man, the son of the Virgin Mary, thought to be the son of Joseph of Nazareth, leaves this world, is also a fresh manifestation of the eternal fatherhood of God, who, in him, draws near again to humanity, to each human being, giving him the thrice holy spirit of truth. This revelation of the Father and outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which stamp an indelible seal on the mystery of the redemption, explain the meaning of the cross and death of Christ. The God of creation is revealed as the God of redemption, as the God who is faithful to himself, and faithful to his love for man and the world, which he revealed on the day of creation. His is a love that does not draw back before anything that justice requires in him. Therefore, for our sake, God made him, the Son, to be sin who knew no sin. If he made to be sin him who was without any sin whatever, it was to reveal the love 
that is always greater than the whole of creation, the love that is he himself, since God is love. Above all, love is greater than sin, than weakness, than the futility of creation. It is stronger than death. It is a love always ready to raise up and forgive, always ready to go to meet the prodigal son, always looking for the revealing of the sons of God, who are called to the glory that is to be revealed. This revelation of love is also described as mercy, and in man's history this revelation of love and mercy has taken a form and a name, that of Jesus Christ. Man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself. His life is senseless. If love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in it. This, as has already been seen, is why Christ the Redeemer fully reveals man to himself. If we may use the expression, this is the human dimension of the mystery of the redemption. In this dimension, man finds again the greatness, dignity and value that belong to his humanity. In the mystery of the redemption, man becomes newly expressed and in a way is newly created. He is newly created. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The man who wishes to understand himself thoroughly, and not just in accordance with immediate, partial, often superficial and even illusory standards and measures of his being, he must, with his unrest, uncertainty, and even his weakness and sinfulness, with his life and death, draw near to Christ. He must, so to speak, enter into him with all his own self. He must appropriate and assimilate the whole of the reality of the incarnation and redemption in order to find himself. If this profound process takes place within him, he then bears fruit not only of adoration of God, but also of deep wonder at himself. How precious must man be in the eyes of the Creator, if he gained so great a Redeemer, and if God gave his only Son, in order that man should not perish, but have eternal life. In reality, the name for that deep amazement at man's worth and dignity is the Gospel, that is to say, the Good News. It is also called Christianity. This amazement determines the Church's mission in the world, and perhaps even more so in the modern world. This amazement, which is also a conviction and a certitude. At its deepest root it is the certainty of faith, but in a hidden and mysterious way it vivifies every aspect of authentic humanism. It's closely connected with Christ. It also fixes Christ's place, so to speak, his particular right of citizenship, in the history of man and mankind. Unceasingly contemplating the whole of Christ's mystery, 
the Church knows with all the certainty of faith that the redemption that took place through the cross has definitively restored his dignity to man and given back meaning to his life in the world, a meaning that was lost to a considerable extent because of sin. And for that reason, the redemption was accomplished in the Paschal Mystery, leading through the cross and death to resurrection. The Church's fundamental function in every age, and particularly in ours, is to direct man's gaze, to point the awareness and experience of the whole of humanity towards the mystery of God, to help all men to be familiar with the profundity of the redemption taking place in Christ Jesus. At the same time, man's deepest sphere is involved. We mean the sphere of human hearts, consciences and events. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, keep us in your love. Let us hear your voice and believe what you say, for you alone have the words of life. Teach us how to profess our faith, bestow our love and impart our hope to others. Make us convincing witnesses to your gospel in a world so much in need of your saving grace. Make us the new people of the Beatitudes, that we may be the salt of the earth and the light of the world at the beginning of the third Christian millennium. Amen. Mary, Mother of Christ and of the Church, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen.